Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get a chance to sit down and have a conversation with Pastor Zellner and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. I'm here, your host, Will Leitner. I'm sitting here with my pastor, Eric Zellner. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. How are you, Will? I'm great. I'm great. We are going through our questions and answers series. I hope you guys are enjoying listening to it. We're moving on to our next question here, and this is a question that involves intellectual doubts. It says, how would you recommend dealing with intellectual doubts about Christianity from someone who has grown up in the church and has a very strong desire to not have doubts? I think you know I I can't help but think when uh, you read that question just from a just a pastoral perspective um, thinking about whoever this person is with that question recognizing that that what they want to begin with is I really don't want to have doubts uh, I would not like to have intellectual doubts um, and so I begin by thinking uh, I appreciate the fact that they that that's their sentiment it tells you something about the condition of uh, of of the direction of their heart. And so I, I think I would begin by saying, you know, Will, this is a everything that we that we gain spiritually is is discerned to us spiritually. That's what First Corinthians chapter two says. Nobody comes to saving faith except that the Spirit of God does a work in them. Uh, Paul repeats that again and again and again. Uh, when we talk about uh, the Bible and recognize that this is the only infallible rule for our faith, uh, what we believe and our practice, how we live. Uh, you know, I sit on passages like 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I, I want to begin there because I think it's helpful to start by asking the question, uh, if you believe that the Bible is God's Word, then you need to, uh, the second question to ask then, does, does God intend to use His Word uh, to be helpful, to uh, nourish us as uh, as a God who tells the truth, or is it um, a tool used by a, an unkind father who wants to deceive uh, his his people? It's clearly the first, right? We're talking about a God who's a truth teller, and uh, and so I remember when I went to seminary, being slightly fearful that perhaps I would learn uh, more than I knew, and then because of what I learned, I might gain some intellectual doubts that made it impossible for me to actually turn around and preach the gospel to people. Uh, the more you actually delve into the scriptures, the more confident you become. So I think I would just begin by saying um, to whoever this is, I would just say, first of all, keep reading, keep uh, keep studying the scriptures, uh, let it interpret itself uh, for you, um, as we know that all scripture interprets scripture. And where you don't understand a particular question uh, or something seems confusing to you, um, you you weigh that against other parts of the Bible. So I I think um, I remember my my grandfather saying that he did not believe the Bible because he could not believe that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. Um, and and I would not anticipate that a person who doesn't know the Lord would would presume that God's telling the truth. But but we as believers who 
genuinely profess faith in Christ, we, we begin with the concept that God is a truth teller. And so instead of trying to twist and make the scriptures say something more than they say, or when our friends come to us with doubts and say, oh, you know, this, uh, I noticed in this battle that it, it says that there was 11,000 people, and over here in this battle it says there were actually 100,000 people, which is it, you know, and it seems to our eyes like contradictions. Um, we won't have time to walk through all the places where those kinds of things happen, but it, but it's a, it's a good posture to begin with by saying this. Uh, is, is God's hope to deceive me? Uh, definitely not. And so if I'm hung up on something, it may be that it's not the actual point of the, of the passage. Uh, it may be that I'm, I'm bothered by something uh, that isn't intended to be bothersome. Um, and so for a believer who has intellectual doubts, uh, I would say lean into your father who, who says that he's a truth teller and speaks in manners of truth. And where you don't understand things, um, pray and investigate what you're, what you're wondering about. I imagine that there would be people who just listened to a sermon a few weeks back when I preached about the parting of the Red Sea, you know, the descriptors of the way that the sea is parted. Um, there's times that the Bible speaks with, with poetic language, even in the song right after it in Exodus 15, the song of Moses says the waters congealed. Um, and, and we know they didn't turn into a plasma like jello. I mean, we, we, the water maintained we presume the, uh, the substance of water, but God somehow lifted the, the walls and parted it and just held it in place um, because that's the kind of creator God he is. Um, if I was sitting across the table from a person who had those kind of intellectual doubts about something as simple as the parting of the Red Sea, I would, uh, I would look at them and I would say, let me ask you something. Uh, think through your own sins. Uh, just think about today or yesterday or even the last week. Um, do you find it more difficult to believe that God, uh, the pre, <laughs> the preexistent, forever, eternal, infinite Creator of the universe, uh, put on flesh and blood, and skin, and became a man and walked among us, uh, living by His own law in a perfect standard, and then sacrificed Himself on a cross to pay for the sins of a guy who's going to live two thousand years after Him. Uh, do you find that harder to believe, or that the waters of the Red Sea were parted? Um, I actually find that, you know, if I'm thinking about it, uh, the, the uh, parting of the Red Sea seems pretty simple mm -hmm. compared to, my goodness, if I start counting my record and thinking, God is declaring me righteous in Christ, oh my goodness, that's, that's, um, that's an event that requires deep faith. So anyway, I'll, I'll stop there. You, uh, yeah. Well, what do you think is the role of apologetics, which for those who are not familiar with the term, it's the defense of the faith, um, or studying the Christian truth claim. Mm -hmm. um, what role do you think apologetics has in the Christian's life? Yeah, let me, you know, I'd begin by saying, um, I'll explain the role that I found it have in my own life. When I was a, when I was first converted, uh, I did not, um, I went from probably saying, I hope the Bible is not true because I'd like to govern and rule my own life, to in convert, you know, in a newly converted state, um, recognizing that I was profoundly confronted by the fact that it probably was true and I was deeply convicted of my sin. And so I didn't spend the first few years thinking about whether this was, um, you know, whether the, the faith needed to be defended in terms of is there really a God or something like that, because the Holy Spirit had deeply moved in my heart, so I couldn't, I, I wouldn't even have moved to such a place. 
However, uh, with time, learning to study apologetics causes us to have something kind of akin to aha moments where you go, oh, wow, that's really true. This is deeply true. I can see how even even nature reveals um, evidence of God, or I can see how um, in studying apologetics, I'm able to more clearly articulate uh, the certainty of the claims of the Scripture, right? There's, there's both internal and external evidence for the Bible, uh, and apologetics would help you with that. So beginning with the question that I had when I went to seminary, am I going to learn more and then suddenly uh, come away feeling like I'm standing on really shaky ground? The, quite the opposite was true. When I began to study uh, the faith more deeply, uh, I became even more certain that what I was about to go do was rooted in a um, not just in a truth claim, but in truth. Right. Um, so, and in that sense, I would just say that apologetics can be really helpful to to affirm for people. Hey, I, I don't, I'm not just believing something that was invented by eleven guys who managed to you know, managed to carry the light of their graves. Uh, speaking of, you know, eleven disciples who walked with Jesus. You realize it's a a long history, a long Christian tradition, and much, much, much smarter people than me have worked through these things throughout the centuries. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I think the other question that I, I would have, I, um, sometimes we, and I think this is um, worth asking for a person who says, I think I have intellectual doubts, but I want to believe. Um, I would sometimes, from a pastoral perspective, want to find out if there are, if there are sins or sin issues in the person's life that... Um, leave them with a nagging sense of perhaps um, maybe, maybe this isn't true, um, in which case that would help excuse some of my ongoing sin patterns, which makes me wonder uh, if it's really an intellectual doubt at all and maybe not just simply a, a guilty conscience trying to assuage itself. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying in any sense uh, that I could accuse a person through, <laughs> through a podcast of that scenario. I think it's just something you'd need to ask yourself. Is that, is that what's going on? Uh, am I frustrated with a particular besetting sin, and therefore um, intellectual doubts are one place that my heart and mind find a little bit of peace? Well, maybe this isn't totally true. I'm, I'm questioning or concerned about this. Um, in that sense, y- your focus would— come off of the besetting sin itself and the need to come running back to the cross and it would be easy for your heart to distract you to look at well I don't know it seems over here that there was uh, the Bible says there was 11,000 over here it says there were 12 in the soldiers or you know the measurement of the wall of Israel I mean of uh, the city of Jerusalem was this over here and over there it said something else um, so anyway I'm not sure but that that seems to be something that would be worth considering for for those who are asking those kinds of questions Those are uh, great insights, and thank you for the time, Pastor Zoner, and um, thank you for sitting down and answering those questions. Yeah, thanks so much, Will. And we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast, and we hope to see you guys at our next episode. Goodbye.